In this episode, we talk about the five C's. I'm joined by Dr. Catherine Ritz, who gives us a solid understanding of what the C's are, why they're important, and how to use them. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. So happy to have you here today. My name is Joshua Cabral, and I want to make sure before we jump into our topic today that you are subscribed or following the podcast on whatever app you're using to listen so that you get every new episode when they come out on Mondays. So now let's jump into our topic today, which is the five C's. Now, I know a lot of us teachers see the five C's, particularly when we're looking at actful materials, but we have some questions about them. So if you're not even sure what the five C's are, this is going to be an ideal episode for you. If you're familiar with them to some degree and you have some questions like, what are they exactly? How do I use them in the classroom? Can I use them independently? Can I use them together? Is it possible to approach all of them in the target language, even at the novice level? What are some examples so I know exactly what it might look like in the classroom? So many questions that come up around this idea of the five C's. Today, I am joined by Catherine Ritz, who is going to help us really understand exactly what they are and how we can use them in our classroom so that our students have the best possible learning experience. Now, Catherine is currently a professor at the Boston University Wheelock College of Education and Human Development, and she works with language teachers. Some of them are currently in-service working language teachers. Some of them are future language teachers. And she came to this position after many years of teaching French primarily and Spanish at the high school and middle school level. And she's also a national board certified teacher in French. She is a board member of MAFLA, which is the Massachusetts Foreign Language Association, NECTFL, which is the Northeast Association, and AATF, the American Association of Teachers of French. Now, the unique perspective that Catherine has is that she spent many years in the classroom as a language teacher, and then she went on and earned her doctorate in curriculum and instruction so that she could then move on to teach teachers. So welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me, Joshua. This is a really a treat for me. Thank you. If you could fill in some of the blanks, make the story a little more understandable about your transition from a world language classroom teacher in the classroom to working with teachers and other things you might be doing out in the education world. As you said, I started in the classroom at the high school level and teaching French and then picked up Spanish. And after teaching for, I don't know, seven or eight years, I moved into a department head position in a public school. So I think that was when I started 
really thinking about teacher development where I was trying to support the teachers in my district. And that's also when I went from being kind of a teacher trying to do a work, you know, I had colleagues that I was collaborating with, but I, you know, I was kind of working in my own classroom to sort of saying, okay, now I can help the whole department make some shifts in what we're doing. And so I had a little bit more authority to like do some curriculum development work and start integrating the five C's. And that just really grew my passion for, uh, for teacher development. And so it feels to me like a natural tra- trajectory into my current role where, you know, I'm still teaching, but I'm, t- you know, my, my kid, I have three children and they always ask me what my job is. And I say, well, I, I teach teachers about teaching. So that's what I do now. So I think my, my views of language teaching have evolved, I think, as many people have. I started as a textbook teacher teaching the good old grammar-driven curriculum and then started shifting little by little towards proficiency-based instruction and really integrating those five Cs. So it's been a process for me as well, as I'm sure for many teachers who've been in the field for a while. But my, my, my passion and views of teaching for proficiency have only strengthened as I've been in this role in BU and I've had the opportunity in this role to read more research and just dig more deeply and reflect more. So that's really been a pleasure uh, for me. And I feel like it's a privilege that I, I have the opportunity to do this in this position. And the students that are in your program, are they sort of a mix of currently teaching teachers and new teachers? What's that breakdown? Yeah, so it's mostly, I would say, we have a number of beginning teachers, so pre-service teachers. They have some tutoring experience, maybe. We have some students that have been like a teaching assistant in France, for example, teaching English. And then we do have a mix of in-service teachers that are coming to us part-time. So it's fun, and they all learn from each other and grow together. So I, I have to say, it's I love my job. It's just, I couldn't be happier. So it's really fun to see their progression over the year as they start, like, we're talking about all these ideas, and then they're starting to develop them and put them into practice in their classroom. It's just, it's really exciting. When I think of my master's degree days, I did my master's in applied linguistics mm-hmm. with a focus on second language acquisition, yep. and I was teaching full time. Right. And I did that degree at uh, UMass Boston. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And being able to just go in the classroom the next day, try it yeah. out, and be able to share it out in a class, that was yeah. an ideal situation. And I, I always say to teachers, if you can do both and, right. it will be so much more useful. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I could not agree with you more. You yeah. need to start putting it into practice for sure. So let's jump into our conversation here about the five Mm -hmm. C's. And just to kind of frame it out, could you talk a little bit about what the world readiness standards are and how the five C's are reflected in there or how they work together? Okay, well, I'm going to make it easy for everyone. Mm-hmm. The five C's are the world readiness standards. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they are one and the same. The world readiness standard. So actually, originally, it was called the national standards uh-huh. for world language, actually, probably for foreign languages that came out in 1996. And then they've just sort of evolved and had a couple of revisions. And now they're the world readiness standards for learning languages. And within that, there's sort of five goal areas, and those are the five C's. So if we're referring to one, we're referring to the other. Correct. Correct. Yes. (laughs) And I just want to point out to listeners that 
a lot of this conversation is being driven by a section of a chapter in Catherine's recently published book called Leading Your World Language Program, Strategies for Design and Supervision, Even If You Don't Speak the Language. So I was looking through, I was reading through, and I said, I want to find an area in here in this book where we can mm-hmm. dive deeper. Where do I have more questions? So that's sort of where I came up yep. with this, this topic. So now that we understand that the World Readiness Standards and the yep. five C's are one and the same, what are the five C's? I feel like I learned about them when I started teaching, and I swear I could never remember them. I feel like I crammed uh-huh. them for my exam, for the te- for my teacher license, and then I sort of forgot. So it is confusing. The, f- the big one is, at, well, so now in my teacher development role, I've got them down. The big one, the first one is communication. So that's where we mm-hmm. get also our three modes of communication. So mm-hmm. we're kind of digging down a little bit more. So you've probably heard of interpretive communication, which is like reading or listening, interpersonal communication, sort of that back and forth uh, discussion, interaction, and then presentational communication, which is it's a one way where you're writing or speaking to someone. So that's communication. There's some debate whether communication is the most important C or whether it's mm-hmm. a balance with the other five C's. But communication is the the first one. It's definitely the one that we as language teachers hear the most about and yes. focus on the most, yes. which makes it seem like it's the most right. important. But I, I feel like we neglect the other ones. We do. So this is our <laughs> opportunity to level the playing field. Correct. Yes. <laughs> and well, what's I think it's so I'm slightly on the side of communications, the foundation, but all the other C's are part of what we're doing in communication. So I don't mm-hmm. think that it's communication and then nothing, not the other C's, but all the other C's are being done through communication. So I guess that's where I land on it. Mm-hmm. But the next two I'll talk about that I think kind of go together are cultures and comparisons, where it's essentially mm-hmm. cultural comparisons. So that's what I mean, where if you're investigating culture, and you're comparing the culture of the target, uh, where the target language is spoken, which by the way, maybe a local community, I don't, we shouldn't just be thinking about foreign communities. We're making comparisons to our own culture and our own way of living. And so that should all be done through the target language. So that's through communication. So those are the mm-hmm. two next ones. So culture is probably the second most widely known of the five of the five C's. And I think it goes hand in hand with making those cultural comparisons. Culture, comparisons, and... Okay, so here's the two that tend to have the most confusion, and one of them I've heard referred to as the forgotten C. Mm-hmm. So the, the fourth one is connections. Mm-hmm. I think this one's very confusing because we can feel like, oh, we're connecting to another culture and so on. But what they mean by connections is connections to other content areas, so to other disciplines. So am I connecting, I'm integrating art in my classroom. I'm integrating social studies style content in the classroom. And once again, we're doing that through communication. Mm -hmm. So we're still staying in the language. We're not like, pause, let me focus on STEM and study scientists in Mm -hmm. France and do that in English. We're still doing communication. Mm -hmm. So that's connections. Mm -hmm. That's definitely been a point of confusion. And then the quote unquote forgotten C is communities. And I think communities is also perhaps one of the hardest ones for teachers to implement. 
communities means that you're helping, again, this is where the connections one is confusing, you're helping connect your students to communities where the target language is spoken, again, local or abroad. And that one, again, do you do I have access to a community that I can connect students to? So some teachers will do partner schools and exchanges and so on. Some ways I've seen teachers address it I think is a good idea is even if I can't connect to an actual school or the target link, for example, an exchange school, can I have them connect with or have a, a like a cross classes? So, you know, a middle school is going to work with, a, you know, something to get them into the community some way. Or can I publish this on the web on a website? Uh, whatever their work is, so that they can feel like they're reaching beyond the classroom doors, essentially. So I can see where my own confusion has come in with connections and communities, because we talk about yes. connecting to communities. Exactly. Yes. This is, I don't know if there's better C's that we could have chosen, but. No. Like, I know when I, it is when it I is. look at the standards and it's sort of, okay, so connections, am I hitting this? I'm connecting them to other communities. Oh, wait. Right, right. <laughs> it actually means to other content areas. Correct. Correct. I found I found that wording helpful. Okay. I'm connecting to content areas. Like that's helped me remember what what they're talking about there. So we are going to level the playing field. <laughs> well, I think that what happens is because we see them as so separate that they the, the hierarchy comes with the communication, mm-hmm. and then the communities is somewhere below. Right. But when you when you see the graphic mm-hmm. of the five C's, the way they're presented, are they, talk us through that graphic and why it looks the way it does. Like why, why isn't it just separate categories? Well, so yeah, they want to, if you read the standards, Mm -hmm. they, they say that it's quote, I think the wording is interwoven. So we're going to interweave these five standards together. So I'll say two things. So first I mentioned before my slight like Mm -hmm. preference towards communication for me is like the foundation. Everything should be happening. So we're not going to, okay, today we're going to do communication and I'm going to work on interpersonal or interpretive. And tomorrow I'm going to do cultures Mm -hmm. and I'm no longer helping you communicate in the language. They're still going together. So every, everything should be interwoven. Here's where I think, the second thing I want to say, where I think we have made a big mistake in our profession and why this has been so hard for teachers is we've tried to sort of like retrofit the standards onto the traditional textbook grammar driven curriculum. And like they don't match. And what is happening then is it does become sort of segmented Mm -hmm. and we find different segments. It becomes compartmentalized because basically you're doing grammar. I'm doing grammar and I'm doing vocab drilling. And then we get the, you know, the dreaded Culture Fridays, which, you know, is a practice that should be retired at this point. And they should be interwoven. So I think the retrofitting onto our traditional grammar-driven curriculum just doesn't match. And that's why teachers might feel that they're separated. The newer approach, sort of the thematic-based curriculum design, uh, which I think is a really empowering uh, professional development experience for teachers, but also can feel very overwhelming. That approach really lets you integrate the five C's in a way that's seamless, that they are interwoven as they should be, as they were intended to be. I think part of that retrofitting, I'm going to use that terminology now. I love that you said that. Any opportunity to use the term retrofit. I mean, really. (laughs) So, Part of that is the 
the traditional approach of like the four skills, like the reading, writing, and not looking at the modes Mm -hmm. means that you do it this way and then you move on and you compartmentalize them, right? So I can see that, which I think leads to a lot of particularly novice level classrooms approaching the connections and the communities in English or in the native language of the classroom, you know, and it's because they're Mm. keeping it separate Yes, and they're not, it's not interwoven with the, with the communicative part of the, the, the C's. So can teachers address all of these five C's in every language classroom beginning at the novice level. Is that a possibility? Yes, a definite emphatic yes. So I'm happy to give you an example. So first of all, one thing I feel so passionate about in in world languages is the teaching in the target language. Mm-hmm. And I would say day one, my my mantra is day one, level one, and every student speaks every day, multiple times a day. So mm-hmm. that's sort of has been my approach uh, to my instruction. So absolutely. So let's walk through an example, mm-hmm. if that's okay. Absolutely. So the thematic-based approach, the way that I love to start that is by using the the frame mm-hmm. from the in- integrated performance assessment. Mm-hmm. So they sort of write a scenario that sets some context for what we're doing. And that actually we can give the students at the very beginning of the unit. And it just sets the stage. It provides some context. It builds in some authentic examples. So let's say, for example, we have a scenario, a frame in which we say, okay, we've got some exchange students coming from whatever the target country is. You are on the exchange committee, dear student, and you're going to prepare information for these students to help them navigate our school cafeteria because they care a lot about eating healthily and finding foods that are going to appeal to these students. So, In order to do this, you need to first get some information, like what do these kids like to eat normally? What type of food are they experiencing in their cafeteria in whatever the target culture is? Are there some nutritional guides? By the way, they're different culture to culture. Um, What do they look like in that target culture? And then maybe compare them to the ones in the U.S. So comparisons, if you didn't catch Mm -hmm. that one. So can Um, I ask before you go go further, just so we can frame this, what Mm -hmm. proficiency level are we working with? Oh, this is novice. I'm talking novice. Yeah, yeah. No, no, this is a novice class. Okay. Maybe this is, you know, three or four months into the school year, not the very first unit, but no, this is a novice. This is replacing our traditional food unit in a level one class where you're just learning lists of food. So instead of learning lists of food, I'm going to give you a frame Mm -hmm. um, and provide some authentic context. Okay. Okay. And and let me pause as well. So that first part that I just explained where you're getting information about what they like in the target culture. So what are the authentic resources that students are going to be looking at? Lunch menus. Mm -hmm. Those are pretty accessible for novice learners. Mm -hmm. If you look at a food pyramid, so the, in the, the myplate.gov has a span, has actually versions in many languages. Mm -hmm. Um, That is super accessible for a novice. It's basically different colors with one word uh, to describe the food. So novices, can can it read those authentic resources and that's interpretive communication under the first C of communication. Mm-hmm. So then after they've read all these things, so they're learning the vocab, they're learning the language structures, they're doing a lot of what you probably would have done in your traditional unit, but in a much more engaging and meaningful way. Mm-hmm. 
then I want them discussing it. So they're going to have conversations. They're going to uh, engage interpersonally with their with their classmates. And then they're going to make comparisons. Okay, what about in our culture? And that's all through their discussion. And then finally, they're going to shift into the presentational where they're going to, you know, to make, maybe they'll make a, a video blog uh, for these new students. Maybe they'll make a flyer. They're going to pre- do something to sort of help prepare these students for their exchange program. So if we reflect back, so do we have all the five C's in that unit frame. So I touched on communication. So we had interpretive, reading those authentic resources, interpersonal, discussing them, and presentational, making a flyer, making a video, blog post, or whatever. Cultures. So at cultures and comparisons, they're kind of buddies. Mm -hmm. So we've looked at the target culture. We've read authentic material from there. We've compared it to our own culture. Connections to other disciplines. So we've connected to maybe the the um, the nutrition nutritional information, the facts uh, program in your school, whatever that may be. So we've made connections to other disciplines. So we've hit four C's, and then communities is the tricky one, right? So am I going to publish this on a website? Perhaps I do have a school I can actually connect to and share this information with, and do like an exchange, a pen pal exchange, or at the very least, can I share it publicly online and have parents view it? or community members view it and ask for some feedback. So with that frame, I've totally redesigned that traditional food unit in a way that all the five C's are now together and they're one and the same, all integrated. So you had mentioned at the the beginning of that an integrated performance assessment, an IPA. Mm -hmm. Yes. So (laughs) can we just uh, sort of overlay backwards planning on that or backwards Mm -hmm. design? So in these units of when we're planning these units, if we just sort of go in with its food and Mm -hmm. we're going to sort of figure things out as we go, then we try to fit all the pieces in and it gets kind of, it doesn't fit in well, right? Right, right. right. can you just give us a couple of tips on the backwards planning? So you start this unit and you want to make sure that you're hitting on all of the five C's Like, what are maybe some things to to keep in mind as you're setting those unit objectives? I, again, I'm a real fan of that, writing that unit frame, this like scenario. Mm -hmm. And then it may feel like it's, you're making up this scenario for the kids, but I, I feel like that's sort of the foundation for units. So if Mm -hmm. you're thinking about, I want approach to sort of revamping your curriculum is looking at the topics the vocab topics, not the grammar chart. Look at the vocab topics that you're currently teaching. So food, family, um, you know, school, travel, whatever it may be. And then think like, okay, what would be a much more interesting way for students to engage with this theme? Um, if I transform this food topic into something engaging, what are, th- what are things that I could have them talk about? And then try to come up with a scenario because what's important with the scenarios is you help make it real for students. You show them how the language would actually be used and you try to to give them something that like, okay, here's how I might engage and use this language in a way that's really interesting. I would certainly recommend the integrated performance assessment book that's published by ACFL, where you can see a lot of those frames written. And so here's an idea, go read them and spend some time underlining where are the five C's? Do I see all the five C's in here? And I, I think that would help you be like, oh, okay. And then that's your whole unit. So then you're kind of working your way through them doing those those different phases, mostly interpretive, inter- interpersonal, and presentational. So I hope that would be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the idea of starting by saying, 
how is this going to be useful for students? Like, how yeah. are they going to be able to engage with it? You know, exactly. it, so much of it comes back. I hear this all the time when I'm talking with teachers, particularly interviews for the podcast is the the comprehensible input is great, but is the input compelling and right. of interest yes. to students? <laughs> and if you don't at least start there, it could be as mm-hmm. comprehensible as you like, but yes. if they're not tending to it and interested, then you're going to hit a wall. <laughs> I could not agree more. And that's what I think is so exciting about the thematic curriculum design where you're integrating these Pisces. You're thinking of your students who you know. You are smarter. This is another thing I tell my students. You're smarter than a textbook. You know more than a textbook because you know your students. Mm-hmm. What are they interested in? And engage with them there. So food can be, and the food topic can be anything. Mm-hmm. What's going to be relevant for your learners? And then we have great internet now where we can find whatever authentic mm-hmm. resource might be out there that we can help uh, bring into the classroom and drive the unit. So I would be very interested to know, as our listeners would as well, to know where your inspiration continues to come from. Where where are you looking? Who are you looking to that you could recommend to us? I devour everything that is come out comes out from Actful. If, if you're thinking about teacher practices, I look to the TELL uh, framework. If people aren't familiar with that, tellproject.org. So I use a lot of material from there to help me think about best practices. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would say recently the thing that I've been the most passionate about is the movement towards teaching for social justice. And certainly the work by Cassandra Glynn and her publication in mm-hmm. ACFL. You know, and there's also been a really exciting publication that came out by uh, Reagan and Osborne called World Language Education as Critical Pedagogy, the Premise of Social Justice. And I mean, it's it's more a thinking book. It's not a practical, how do I, you know, implement this? I would point to the book uh, by Cassandra Glynn from ACFL on that. But it really just, you know, inspires you and makes you really think, so what is the point of world language education? You know, is it just for our kids to do these verbs? You know, what are, what are, what is our goal? What is our mission? And I have to say, yeah, it really, I find it so inspiring and I feel just completely committed to, to our profession because of this, the, the work that so many of us are doing. So quickly, while we're on the topic of upcoming publications, <laughs> I believe you have another yeah. one coming out? <laughs> I do. I do. A friend of mine, Christina Toro, who we, I used to work with, uh, and I are co-authoring a book that will be published by ACFL. It's called Proficiency-Based Instruction, Input, and Interaction in World Language Education. Um, so we dive, yeah, really dive into, that's much more practical. So how do I do all of this stuff? So if you're like, okay, proficiency-based instruction sounds exciting, but like, mm, what am I doing tomorrow? Um, I, I hope that that would be a book that would be of service. And when can teachers expect that? We're hoping by the end of 2021. So look for it by okay. the end of the year. Yay. <laughs> okay. Very good. Okay, so now this is the point in our conversation where I like to pull the teacher curtain back a little bit (laughs) and get to know Catherine the person. (laughs) And now I've known you for a number of years, so I'm going to ask you some questions I wouldn't know the answer to. So uh, get to know you a little bit more, and why not do it in a public forum, right? (laughs) So I'll give you a this or that. Uh, either or a question Alrighty. and you just kind of decide which one uh, works for you. You can say why if you'd All like right. to, but not necessary. 
So you are you have some downtime and you're hanging out. Are you with a group more often or kind of that? one good friend. One good friend. I'm a hardcore introvert. So yes, I'm much more comfortable one on one. See, I would not have thought really? that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's because every time I see We're you is at a conference yeah. or you're presenting at a conference. So I don't see you as an no, introvert. Oh, very, very mm-hmm. much so. <laughs> okay. Building on our food theme mm-hmm. of earlier. This is our food episode, apparently. Right. <laughs> Do you go for the good appetizer and skip dessert? Or do you skip the appetizer and save room for the dessert? Oh, that's such a tough one. Um, and it might depend on the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I could go either way. I could go either way. But I love to bake. I'm a bake. I actually have been baking all morning. I baked a cake. I'm going to go see a friend this afternoon and bake a cake. So maybe the sweet side I might go for. Okay. Well, clearly you're <laughs> going to go hang out with one friend because that's one what friend. you do. And you're going to bring dessert. So that clearly yes. answers questions <laughs> one and two. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) And the last one, your to-do list, is it in your head or do you write it out? Mostly. So I have to write it down. Yes. It's, I lives in my head and then I'm like, oh my God, write it down, Catherine, write it down before you forget. So no, I have a a little, a little moleskin book that I keep and I keep turning the pages and put a sticky tab Mm -hmm. in and have my, have my list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so. (laughs) And do you, do you check things off on the list? I cross them. Oh, off. I I have to put a nice line through, and it feels good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wanna. I did something that wasn't on my list, and I'm like, man, I just want to write that down and cross <laughs> it off. <laughs> it feels good. Um, so little insight into my mind is uh, the way I work is when I start a to do list, I purposely put two things on it that I've already done so I can start by crossing them off. Mm. Oh, there you go. (laughs) We're not too different. It it just starts the momentum. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So I am absolutely sure that there are teachers out there listening that would like to connect with you to go further in these conversations. So what's the best way to reach out to you? Well, I have a website, Mm ritzforeignlang.org, and you can find my info there. And I will say I've got a resources tab where I've got some of my novice curriculum maps Mm -hmm. and some interpersonal and presentational assessments that are available Mm -hmm. for you as Google Docs if you would like them. Mm -hmm. So those are from my time. Those are um, from when I was the department head. But if you're like, how do I start this? That might be a good place to help you get some resources to jump Mm -hmm. off. So, And can we connect with you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. You you can try. Mm-hmm. No, I'm on, on Instagram. No, Twitter. Yes, at Ritz Foreign Lang, and yeah, you'll find me there. I'm I'm a I'm a more of a viewer mm-hmm. that I contribute sometimes, but I'm a passive participant. But you can find me on Twitter. I really appreciate your time with us today and these great insights. And I'm wondering, can you leave us with one good, solid, actionable piece of advice when we? try to implement this idea of the five C's in our classroom? Yeah, for sure. Well, this comes from my Mm -hmm. own experience is, you know, start small, quality over quantity. It is a big step to um, develop thematic units around the five C's. So honestly, I would pick one, pick your good class, the class that never gives you a Mm -hmm. hard time. (laughs) Use one class, one unit and and start from there and then you know reflect and grow and then once you get going i think it'll it'll get easier but it's a process and it it does take time but don't you know yeah one class one unit go for it excellent that one unit that one (laughs) unit start there start there then you'll have it for next year (laughs) 
Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and for everything that you contribute to the language teaching community. We all appreciate it so much. Oh, my pleasure. And right back at you, Joshua. Thank you for all the work you do in inspiring um, uh, teachers and including myself. So thank you. Lots of useful suggestions from Dr. Catherine Ritz. What are your takeaways? For me, I'm walking away with reassurance that the five C's can be woven together rather than using them independently. Be sure to check out the show notes so that you can connect with Catherine. You'll also see a link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.